so good to be with you this morning. I want to welcome those joining us online as well. And uh, if this is your first time, and I've met several first-timers, both in the first service and the second service, we're always excited uh, for you, and uh, we're glad um, all to be together today. We're in a series, great time to be a guest or invite a guest, because we're in a series called Hope. Who couldn't use a little bit more hope? I don't care how much hope you have. I don't know anyone that says, I couldn't use a little bit more. So if you're at the top of your hope level, you can always have a little bit more. If you're at the bottom today, a little bit of hope goes a long ways, and uh, it's powerful when we get hope. I was thinking of the Scripture that three things are going to last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love, obviously. But look what ties faith and love together. It's hope. Hope is the tie that binds, and hope is such a powerful force in our lives, and it's, it's when, we, when we lose it, uh, it's like game over. It's, it's, it's a terrible place to be, and it's something we all fight. There's no one in here that's like, you know, I never get discouraged. I never struggle with disappointments. We all have discouragements. We all have setbacks. We all have disappointments, so we have to fight this battle against discouragement, and we fight it with hope. Hope is the antidote to our discouragement and uh, keeps us from staying there. So um, the message today is about raising your expectations. Last week, it was refueling, recharging, recharging your spiritual batteries. We're talking about seven factors that when you build these things into your life, it helps fuel your hope. And uh, so today is raise your expectations. Um, everyone knows what expectations are. So you came in here this morning with expectations. You know, some of your expectations were high, some of your expectations were low, but you came in here with some kind of expectations today. We all come into situations and our expectations are pretty low. Um, that's where I am with the Broncos right now. And if you're a Royals fan right now, I mean, our expectations are pretty low, but where did they start? Our expectations usually start really high, right? Um, those of you that are married or been married, uh, where were you on the honeymoon? Your expectations were high. They were off the charts. Um, your expectations are hard when you maybe start a career or a job. Your expectations are high. I mean, I remember when I started insurance and I was going to kill it, my expectations were so high. Three years later, not so much. I mean, we all our expectations adjust. Every year, I said, I, you know, I hope for the Broncos to do better. It's why, it's why coaches... That's why they hire new coaches. It's why they hire new CEOs. That's why they bring in new quarterbacks and new players. It's because they're wanting to raise the expectations of an organization. Because when you raise the expectations, you raise the hope. This is where some of us came in today. Or some of us watching online. Our hopes, our expectations, they've been lowered. We've all been there. Uh, some of you may be there today. Um, some are here today and your expectations have, you've lowered your expectations for your job, for your career. You've lowered your expectations for your marriage. You've lowered your expectations for your life, for your dreams. And it's something that we all battle. We've all been there or we are there. And when it's left, when discouragement is left untreated, and when it continues to be repeated and it's untreated, it leads to a hopelessness. And it leads to four words that can literally have the power to destroy about anything. These four words, things will never change. When we get to a point and we say things will never change, that's a state and a place of hopelessness. Uh, these four words, things will never change, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll destroy marriage, they'll destroy our lives, 
They'll destroy a job, a career. They'll destroy a church. When you come to the place and we come to the place, things will never change. And that's where we find today's story. Jesus comes across a man who's had disappointments, setbacks, discouragement, and he's really come to this conclusion in his life. Things will never change. Life had literally knocked him down on the ground. And we find ourselves in John chapter 5, verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. What's going on here? Um, we don't understand this because this is not something we deal with, but it was kind of a, a community pool, but not like the ones that you grow up, you know, grew up in. But it was kind of like a, it had a healing properties, it had a healing power. And when an angel stirred that pool, I don't know if it was sometimes in the morning or later in the day, but people were waiting to get into that pool that needed healed, that needed to be made whole, that needed a touch. And this is where we find ourselves. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie there, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One was there and had been, inv- had been an invalid for 38 years. Uh, 38 years. So it doesn't say that he's 38 years old. He could have been. It could have been something he was born with at birth. I don't know if an accident took place and at 10 years old, now he's 48. But for 38 years of his life, something had happened in his life where he was incapable of taking care of himself. He was at the mercy of others for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? And I know that seems like such a stupid question that of all people that Jesus would ask, do you want to get well? Uh, I've I'm, I'm been laying on my back. I've been, I can't get into the pool. Jesus, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I want to get well. I, my, my, uh, my best friend and my college roommate, um, he's a counselor in Sacramento, California, Dr. Pickens. Great, great guy. I couldn't think of a better guy to go to for counseling. Um, we have a good one here too, Dr. Glover. I don't want to leave that out, but I will say this. Um, one time I was talking with him and he said, you know, in all my dealings with things, what I sometimes find is not everyone wants to get well. Um, it's one of maybe my disappointments in ministry sometimes is that not everybody wants to get well. And I'm not faulting anyone that is trying to get well, is making the effort to get well. That's not what we're talking about. But it, it is one of my discouragements in, in my profession and in, in, in growing up in the church is to sometimes see people come to church week after week after week and in essence not want to give their life to Christ, not want to get well and surrender to Him. I mean, it's like they're at the pool and they're, they're right up at the edge of the water, but they're, they're coming to church every week and they, they might be hanging around some great people, but they just have left short of giving their life and surrendering to Jesus Christ. They're, they're there, but they're not going in. And I don't think we find that with this man. Uh, Jesus said, sir, I mean, this, this man said to Jesus, Sir, I have no one to help me in the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. He wants to get well, it seems. And his, his excuses 
are there and his excuses are legitimate. No one is faulting him for making an excuse that he can't get in the water. No one is saying, hey, just get up and do it. Will yourself to better health. Will yourself to being, to being stronger and being better. No one is saying that. There's a desire you can see on his part. He does want to get healthy. He does want to get well. But he is at the water's edge and someone is always beating him in there. Someone is always getting in before someone else can help him in. He needs something in his life to happen. Then Jesus said to him, and that was about to happen, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat, and he walked. Raising your expectations begins when you have an encounter with Jesus Christ. You can come to church all your life. You can read your Bible and know it backwards and forward. You can go to small group and Bible studies. You can do all those things, and those are all good things. But short of a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're not going to be healed. You're not going to be whole. And there's times in our lives where we have all the excuses, and they're legitimate excuses. The church has hurt us. The church has let us down. People let us down because they're made of, of people. Uh, we can have all the legitimate excuses in our life, but the reality is sometimes we can get right up to the water and we can't go any farther and our, our marriage is stuck, our life is stuck, and the reality is we need what this man need. We need an interaction. We need an encounter with the living God, with Jesus Christ. We need an encounter with the God of the universe. I, I, I love this from Craig Groeschel, pastor in Oklahoma City. He says, God can do more through your surrender than you can with your control. You don't always have the power to control, but you always have the power to surrender. This man was at a place of his life. He realized, I have no control. But what I do have the power to do is I can surrender to this man. I can surrender to God. I can surrender to Jesus. And I, I think that in our lives, we can be in the same kind of position, figuratively speaking. We can be right up at the cusp of the water. We, 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 we've heard the good news. We've, we've had many good messages. We've had people invite us and tell us, but there's something that keeps us from getting in the water. There's something that keeps us from wanting, from, from being healed. And the only healing that's going to come to us is when we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ and give him control. And some of us, it may be we've come to Jesus Christ and we've received him as our Lord and Savior. We surrender to him, but there's areas of our lives that we're afraid. We want to hold on to. We want to keep control of. We might want to keep control of our money. We might want to keep control of our future, but there might be something that we want to keep control of. And, and for some, it's keeping control of their marriage. And they're trying to control, and they're, they're, they're buttoned up, uh, and it takes two to tango. And so you, you, need, you need both of you to make it work. But as I was kind of sharing in the first story this morning, it wasn't even really in my notes in my thinking this week, but I just began to talk to my mom about asking, um, who are some people in your, in dad and you, in your ministry that you've seen that God got a hold of their marriage and it began to shift and it began to change? And I was surprised by her answer. She said, well, your dad and I. I lived kind of the old school. My mom and dad, I'm sure they fought, but we never saw it. I mean, they just, they kept that from us. I know now today, because I've seen, I'm an adult now, I've seen those things where she gets frustrated with Roy. And when Heather calls me Roy, it's not a compliment, by the way. 
<clears throat> but she said, especially early on, there was times where we were we needed God to take control and we needed to surrender. And your father and I, we'd kneel at the side of our bed and we would ask God, we'd tell him, we, we need your help. We don't know what to do here. And it's the best place that we can be to get to the end of our rope and say, God, I don't have control, but I'm, what I can do is I can surrender to you. And some of us, we've tried everything. We've gone to church, we've read our Bibles, we hang around good people and good mentors, but there's something that we just hold on to and we can't let go, and God is inviting us to surrender control of our life, whatever it is, to surrender to Him. He can do more with our surrender than you can do with your control. Hope requires faith. Jesus, uh, it was said of Him that He could in his hometown that he could not do many miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. There's only a couple times you'll see in Scripture where God is, or Christ is, Jesus is absolutely amazed. One is he was amazed with a man came to him, a man of authority, and his child was dying, and he, he came halfway, and he met Jesus on the road. He said, hey, my child's dying if, if you just say the word, because I'm a man of authority. And if I tell people, you do this, they go and do it, and I know that you're a man of authority, and if you just say the word, my child will be healed. You don't even have to show up in my house. Jesus was amazed at his faith. But the other place he's amazed, he's amazed at our lack of faith. And honestly, sometimes I'm amazed at how we can say no to the good news of Jesus Christ. How we can say no to the God who sent his only son to die on a cross for us, that gave his life for us, that paid the penalty for our sin. How can we say no? How, it boggles my mind sometimes how we do that. And I think God's amazed too. He's amazed at our lack of faith. And sometimes the best answer is we need, to, we need to surrender. We need to have faith. You see, he was able to heal some sick, some sickness, and some disease. Because that's physical stuff. That's easy for God. Now, he doesn't heal everything. I'm not saying he does that. But physical healing is easy stuff. He doesn't need our, our uh, faith to activate that. It, it may be helpful. But you think about Jesus who uh, raised Lazarus even. Lazarus' body eventually broke down and he still died. We can be healed, but our bodies is still going to break down and we're still one day going to die. It's a temporary. Healing is a temporary. Physical healing is something that's temporary. And it's something that God doesn't have to have permission to do. But he does need our faith activated in order to heal us spiritually, in order to come into our life in order for us to receive him, in order for us sometimes in our, our relationships to be reconciled. It requires that we surrender and give up control and we surrender to him. God can only work through our surrender when it comes to the most important things in our life, our spiritual life. So I want to share five essentials from this story today and from a few scriptures, five essentials to help raise our hopes today. Because when you raise your hope just a little bit, all things become possible. The first is this. Trait number one. These, these are people, you know, people that are positive, they're upbeat, and they're kind of like, yeah, we can do this despite the adversity, despite the obstacles. You see these five traits, and it's not elusive. This isn't something for special people. I believe if we will all build these things into our life, God will raise our 
uh, expectations which will raise our hope. Trait number one, believe impossible, things are possible. Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. When we lived in California for 15 years, I like history, I like U.S. history, I like presidential history, uh, uh, the Eisenhower Presidential Library, that's a cool thing to me. Uh, in California, we had two presidential libraries, it was Nixon's and Reagan's. Nixon's, eh. uh, Reagan's was really stunning, it was pretty, pretty cool. It looked over the, you know, if on a sunny day you could see the Pacific Ocean from the Simi Valley, but inside was pretty, pretty cool and impressive. And there was a place where you came around and you saw a replica, the exact replica of the Oval Office. And uh, surprisingly, it's smaller than you would think it would be, but it was still impressive. And they said it was the exact same size. And we walked down a couple steps. And at that point where we walked down about two steps, which is about four feet, the, the person that was giving the tour said, uh, I want to tell you a little story. Uh, we had, this had been finished. It was pretty much completed. President Reagan was going around. He was given, he was signing off on things, given his okay and his approval. And they got to this place and President Reagan was like, something's wrong. Something's off. Something's not quite right here. And they said, no, no, it's, everything's right. It's the exact size, exact same replica of what you saw, the, all the furniture, everything's the same as what you had it. And he says, there's something wrong. There's something amiss. Um, and they said, well, what you might be talking about, Mr. President, is that, you know, it's, it's four feet shorter. The ceiling is four feet shorter than what it is to, in relationship to the floor. And he was like, no, oh, we can't, we got to change that. And they're like, well, uh, we really can't change that. It's already been done and it looks really good. And he says, no, not only can't it be done, it will be done. And they did. They changed it all. They had to go back in and, and they finished that all because he had the authority do we believe Jesus, that he has the authority, that when he says, with me, all things are possible? I, I think one of the tragedies of my life and the church's life is too often I think we've given up on this idea that with God, all things are possible, that all things can happen. And I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel, name it, claim it, you know, grab it, have it. I mean, I'm not talking about that. I, I, I don't believe that at all. But do we believe in a God that with him all things are possible, that he can do anything? And I know we have faith skeptics, and I'm one of those at times. And I sell God short so many times. I, but I, I think if to not have this, to not think, God, whether you do or not, you're sovereign, and your sovereign will. You're not a Santa Claus, and we don't just tell you and ask you, and you do whatever we ask to do. But we do believe that all things are possible, and when we believe that, it, great things happen. Henry Ford said it this way, whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're probably right. So the better alternative is to believe that with God, all things are possible. And I'll be honest with you. My number one there, I'm not crazy up here as your pastor in his faith. I'm just wanting to raise that a little bit more, saying, God, would you help me to look through your eyes and help me to see that with you all things are possible? Would you help me raise my expectations of what you can do and what you're capable of in my life, my family, my marriage, the church? Trait number two, believe that God has better days ahead. When we believe that God has better days ahead, when you have a future to look forward to, you, there's, there's hope, there's optimism, but the moment that we stop feeling like there's better days ahead, hope dies. 
There's a story told of a, of a town that was condemned. There was some flooding issue or whatever, and basically the engineers came in and said, five years from now, this town is gonna be underwater. Uh, knowing that, there's nothing we can do about it. Uh, you can live here rent-free, you're mortgage-free, you don't have to you know, pay your bills to live here, electricity or whatever, just, just you know, live here. And why you look for some other place to live. And there was a reporter that did a story on this and from the beginning, and he went back a year later. And a year later, he noticed the town was starting to look like a ghost town. The grass was high, the fences were down, the paint was peeling off, the roofs were falling apart, everything. There was no maintenance that took place. And this was his final conclusion. He said, where there is no faith in the future, there is no power in the present. God has better days ahead. And I don't know who I'm saying that to today. And I don't know who online I'm saying that to today. But someone needs to hear those words. God has better days ahead. You say, Pastor, I, I get the objections. The, maybe the biggest objection is I'm dying. I'm not going to live. I just did it was a part of two funerals in the last two weeks, this last week and the week before. These families were sad, but they weren't in despair. They were experiencing loss, but they weren't experiencing a lack of hope. In fact, they had great hope. In fact, there was a celebration. There was a sadness mixed with a celebration that they knew the truth that better days are ahead. And the better days for their loved ones were taking place right then and there. They were experiencing that reality, but they were holding on to the hope. But because of what Jesus did on the cross and his resurrection, that they too would be reunited with their loved ones one day. That's our hope. It's the hope of the resurrection. And, and to not have that is to have no faith in the future. We don't die as like those who have no hope. We, we raise our expectations because we believe that God has better days ahead. Trait number three, realize the power of perspective. Reagan, my oldest, lives in Florida. Uh, her freshman year at Centennial High School in Bakersfield, California, third day into school, she jumps into the car, she just breaks down, she starts sobbing, and I'm like, what's the matter? She goes, well, I failed my geometry test. And I'm like, geometry, now I had some perspective. And I, I said, you failed your first test. Congratulations, good job. Have you ever done that before? No, you failed your first test, we need to go celebrate. Where, where do you wanna get ice cream? You wanna go to Dwarves or do you wanna go to, or you wanna go to Dairy Queen, where do you wanna go? And she's just looking at me kind of strange. And I said, we're gonna, we, we gotta celebrate this, you've never done this before. I had perspective that she didn't have. Seriously, who uses geometry? in here anymore. There were seven hands that went up in the first service, seven smart people. The rest of us don't use geometry. We have a perspective. And we're like, you're going to be fine. And now you know this as parents or grandparents when your kids call and they call with that panic voice and they're crying and you're like, you, the first question you've learned to ask is, is, are you okay? And they're like, yeah, I'm okay. It's like, well, then don't start your conversation the way that you're starting it because you're not making me okay right now. Because we have a perspective. Tickets can be paid. Property can be replaced. Things can be rebuilt. But if you're okay, we're, we're okay. 
because we have the power of perspective. A hundred years from now, the things that we worry about are not going to matter in light of an eternal perspective. It's not going to matter. Joseph in the Old Testament had an eternal perspective. Joseph, the coat of many colors, who had his 11 brothers who betrayed him, sold him into slavery. From age 17 to age 30, he, he went to, into forced labor. Uh, he was falsely accused in forced labor, was thrown into prison, probably the 13 years, probably 12 of them were in prison. But Joseph never lost perspective. He believed that God had given him a, him a dream. He knew that God had given him a purpose. And prison didn't stop that purpose. False accusations didn't stop that purpose. He was not overcome by his circumstances because his purpose was greater than his circumstances. And when we begin to understand that our purpose is greater than our circumstances, we can have hope. We can have perspective. Number four, replace fear with faith. Some of you knew that been here with us eight years, you know this story. Many of you do not. It's a story of this uh, couple. They lived on the second floor of their master bedroom. They were looking over their neighbor's yard, and it was kind of back in the day when you hung uh, clothes out on the, the lines to let them dry. And the, the, the lady kept complaining to her husband week after week, someone needs to go teach these people how to wash clothes because they're dingy. Uh, the whites are, are off-white and, and the colors are not crisp. They're not clean. Someone needs to get over them. Week after week, she complained. When one week she went out, she looked through the window over a second story floor and she looked out and said, wow, someone has gone and taught these poor people how to clean their clothes. And the husband says, no, that's not what happened. I just got tired of you complaining. We have double pane windows and there's some muck in between that makes it look dirty. I took those windows out, replaced it, and now you see clearly. And friends, that's what, we, that's what we're called to do. We're called to replace our fear with faith and, and, and to look through the, the windows of the way God looks at it, to look through it with faith and not fear. And this isn't burying our head in the sand. This isn't pretending things aren't there and our circumstances aren't there tomorrow or they're not there today or things are magically just going to get better because we have faith. Job in the Old Testament, he had everything taken from him except his wife, his health, his wealth, his family. He lost everything. And yet he said these words, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. This was not a man that was in delusion. This was a man that experienced every loss, but he replaced his fear with faith, a trust in God. Despite his fears, despite his setbacks, he replaced it with faith and put his trust in God. And lastly, number five, replace we can't with why not. Replace we can't with why not. You may have heard of this guy. His name is Roger Crawford, um, an accomplished tennis player. He was born with shortened, all four, shortened limbs and disfigured limbs. Some of his limbs had no fingers and no toes. One of his legs was amputated. And uh, so he had a prosthetic with one of his legs. And so you can imagine his childhood, he was constantly told, you'll never do this, you'll never do this, you can't do this, and you can't do this like other kids. But he replaces I can't with what if and why not. And he began to ask that question. And he said, I began, I began to be a dreamer. And I began to dream dreams like, what if 
a person in my condition could beat an able-bodied, arrogant jerk, how fun would that be? How fun would it be to have to go up to the net, stick out my kind of hand, and him stick out his and have to congratulate me that he was able body, healthy, athletic, and he lost me. And that's exactly what happened. He went on to play at Loyola Marymount. He played Division I tennis. He didn't just compete. He won many games. He's in Hall of Fames. I mean, he's just in this incredible story that inspires us. He raised his expectations. He believed that with God, all things and more things were possible, that he replaces why not with why can't and what if. And uh, later in his life, uh, the U.S. government asked him to go to Walter Reed Hospital and to go encourage um, the men and women of our armed forces who had been injured in war and had limbs uh, and dismemberment and had setbacks, were laying on their back. And so he went to encourage, and what he noticed was a great deal of despair, discouragement, and hopelessness. But he came across a man that had had his arms um, severed, and he was laying flat on his back, and he looked up at Roger, and he said, he said, you don't have any arms either. And I see that you're walking now, and one day I'm going to walk again. And he said to Roger, he said, how can I pray for you? And Roger said, I was blown away. I went to encourage people, and I came across this man, and he's asking me on his back how he can pray for me, what he can do for me. And so he, after he prayed for me, I, I said, young man, I said, what is it about you? Where does this hope come from? Where, where is it that this, this comes from? And he said, well, number one, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ and my faith and my trust is in him. And number two, I'm laying here flat on my back and the only place I have to look is up. And if I can look up, I can get up. And that's what I'm gonna do. If I can look up, I can get up. Would you pray with me this morning? your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm just going to pray in a moment for us. But I, I just want you to have a moment where you ask, God, where are you? Where's your expectations? Maybe you walked in here today or you're watching online, you walked in here and your expectations have been lowered. And I believe God is here to deliver a message to you that if you'll look up, he's gonna help you get up. It's gonna require you to overcome some of your natural instincts, to stop believing that it's impossible, but believe with God all things are possible. To believe that with God, better days are ahead no matter what your circumstances are. To trust that he has a perspective, he has an eternal perspective that you cannot see. And if you'll put your faith and you'll put your trust in him, if you'll replace that fear with faith, and it's not denying your circumstances, it's not, it's not uh, living in denial or be delusional, it's saying, God, I don't understand it, it doesn't make any sense, I don't get it. Though you slay me, yet will I trust in you. Yet will I put my faith in you. I can't help but think that some of us came in here this morning and your expectations have been lowered for your life.
for your family, for your job, for your marriage. And it's so easy to say those words, things will never change because like this invalid, 38 years, maybe it hasn't been 38 years, but it's been a long time and you're having setback after setback after setback. And I'm not saying this is pie in the sky and you're gonna leave here and you're gonna have faith and things are gonna change, but what's gonna change is what can happen on the inside. You're going to walk out of here with your hopes raised, your expectations raised, that God is good even when you don't see his goodness. That even when you don't see that he's working, you're going to believe that he's working, that he's working all things together for your good to those who love him and are calling to his purpose. And he's going to use your pain to give you a purpose. And he's going to use that purpose to help you rise above your circumstances to inspire others to follow Jesus and to to live for him. And today, your place, you're right at the pool. You're right at the water. But you're at a place you're going, I don't, I can't get in. Today is the day that the best thing you can do is give up control and surrender your life to God. Surrender your marriage to God. Surrender your family to God. To get on your knees. You're maybe at home. The best thing you can do is get on your knees at your couch and give what you don't have control of to God and trust in Him. Heads about, eyes are closed. That's just kind of the first question I have for you today. If there's something in here today, I'm not going to call you out, I'm not going to embarrass you, but it's just a statement of faith that I am surrendering. I need to surrender something to you, God. It doesn't matter that I know it. God knows it. But you just need to, by faith, you need to just raise your hand and say, God, there's something I haven't been surrendering to you, but I'm going to surrender it to you today. Would you, by faith, you just raise your hand all over, this, all over the sanctuary. There's something, yep, yep. You're all in the boat together. There's many of us. Heavenly Father, I pray for my friends right now, both in this room and online. And Lord, by faith, they're saying, I need you. I don't have the answers for this. I don't have the control of this. I don't have always the ability to control the situation, but I always have the ability to surrender. And right now, we surrender it to you. All over this room, just surrender what that is. Give it to God. You don't have to have the answers, and you don't have to go out of here with the answers but you can know that you're not going out of here alone. Head to bow and your eyes still closed this morning. My question for some of you today is, what if? What if you gave your life to Jesus Christ today? And why not? What have you been waiting for? You've heard this message before. You've heard us pray before. You've been given this invitation before. But today is the day to come back to God. Today is the day to come to God. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Today is the day. Why not? What if you gave it to God? What do you have to lose? If that's you today, I'm not going to call you out and embarrass you either. But today, by faith, you're just going to raise your hand on the count of three. And you're going to give your life to Jesus Christ. We're going to pray together that's you on the count of three. One, two, three. Just raise your hands. Raise your hands. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. A lot of hands. It's not important that I see it. What's important that God sees it. I'm going to pray something different today and I'm just going to invite you to pray it 
after me. I don't want to get in a rut and a routine and just do the same thing we always do. It doesn't matter what we say. It's the matter of which we say it with our heart. But we're all going to pray it together so no one prays it alone. But you just repeat after me today by faith. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving me hope through your death, burial, and resurrection. I believe that because you rose again, I can rise again. That I can have a hope. I can have a future. I can have better days ahead. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life. Amen. Father, I thank you right now. I thank you, Lord, for every decision of faith that was made right now to trust in you. And Lord, I'm counting on your promise that says that your spirit will bear witness with our spirit that we're a child of God, that we're loved by you, and that we can trust you, and that better days are ahead for us no matter what our circumstances are because you're in control. We give you the praise and the thanks. And all God's people said, amen.